Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 this morning. Daniel chapter 6, as we're continuing on in this series through Daniel, and as you're turning to Daniel chapter 6, I'm, you know, this is Palm Sunday, so we're, our hearts and minds are also thinking a lot about the life of Christ. And there's a, a scene that's on kind of on my mind as I was digging, working through Daniel, and it, it's, it's in the Gospels where we see Jesus, he, he rolls up onto this hillside and he begins to teach. And he's called his disciples today, come on up here onto this hill. I, I want to I tell you some things about the kingdom. I want to tell you what life is like following me. I want to tell you what life is like in the kingdom of God. And, and so the disciples come because Jesus is kind of a popular guy. A lot of people show up too, right? Not just the disciples. And they're all up there. And Jesus begins to lay out for, to his disciples saying, hey, this is what I've called you to. This is what kingdom life looks like. And I, I can imagine that they'd be thinking, this is it. They've been living under Roman rule, Roman occupation. Life has not been good for them. And, and they're like, man, he's about to lay out his plan. Like, like God has invaded and he's about to set us free. The revolution begins today. And if you're a disciple, you're probably thinking, man, we're his closest friends. This is going to be so good for us. Right? I mean, maybe you're not, not one of the top disciples. Maybe you're Bartholomew, right? No one ever talks about him. Maybe that's who you are. And, you know, like, yeah, for sure, Peter, James, and John, they'll, they'll get some sweet, sweet government positions when, when Jesus takes over, right? Simon the Zealot, there's a guy, a disciple, Simon the Zealot. That means his whole life was, was all about, before he met Jesus, his whole life was, how do I overthrow the Romans, okay? He's the guy who wore all camo. He had guns in his garage for sure, right? That's, and he'd be thinking, this is it. And Jesus begins to lay it out. He goes, this is what life is like in the kingdom. And, and, and he starts, if you, if you remember in, in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts with saying, blessed or, or happy or joyful. And they're like, this is a good start. We're blessed. And then immediately Jesus starts talking about suffering, about meekness, about being peacemakers while you're being persecuted. And I can imagine his disciples at that moment being shocked, for, for sure confused, maybe disillusioned a little bit. What, what did we sign up for? And Jesus is letting them know, and listen, he's letting us know too, how to live in a way that we've been looking at. How do, how do I live an unshakable life while I'm living in a hostile place? And, and he says something that fits so well with the book of Daniel. We've been talking a lot about how, how do you have hope? How do you have faith when, when life is hard? And, and we've, we've seen him, and this is what it looks like for, for me to have my life be unshakable, this, to see that God is in control. That's the whole point of the book of Daniel. God's in control. He's got this, and so, so I can have peace in the midst of the storm all around me. But listen, if we're not careful, we can take the book of Daniel, and we can look at Daniel's life, and we can walk away thinking, this is all just about me then. How I survive. How, how do I hide out until the storm passes over? Listen, Jesus is calling us to something so much more than that. And, and yes, God is our refuge in times of trouble, and that's a promise that is so true. But the picture you get from the book of Daniel and from what Jesus lays out for us in the New Testament is, is not that God's saying, hey, come here, hide out, I'll protect you, I've got you, life will be okay. No, here's the picture you actually get. God's moving, saying, follow me, I've got you, I'll protect you, I'm in control, I'm taking care of this, I have plans for you, God would say, so step out, follow me as we step out. What's he saying? He's, he's literally saying, step out into the storm. 
Step out into what looks like chaos. Step out into a life lived with lions is what God's calling us to. And why would we do that? We would do that because we would say, God, it's all in your hands. This is you. You've got all this. And so Jesus calls us to this this dangerous life of following him to live a life with lions. To, To Jesus would say this way, go be salt and light. What's he saying? He says, as you go out, bring hope and bring change to our world. Come as, and, and be peacemakers, Jesus says. Which is pretty cool because Jeremiah actually says literally the same thing to Daniel and those who are in exile in Babylon. These guys who have been taken out of their homes, dropped into this foreign city of Babylon as prisoners of war, and Jeremiah, as a prophet, says this to them. I've got it on the screen here. Jeremiah 29.7. Jeremiah says this. He says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. What's God saying through Jeremiah? Be peacemakers. I've got this. I'm in control, and I've carried you. I love how he says that. The the place I've carried you into exile. I've carried you here to this place. God's saying, I've brought you into the chaos. I've landed you in this life with the lions for a purpose. You're taking notes. I want to start here before we even jump into the text to, to get an idea of the whole book of where we're coming here to Daniel 6, and it's this. We live in exile. We live in exile. Let me explain what I mean by that. When, when you look at the Old Testament, there's a couple of, of big movements that you see in, in the life of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Two big movements. One is the promised land, and the other is the exile. So in Genesis, God grabs this guy, Abram, changes his name to Abraham, right? And, and, and he says to this guy with no kids, and in fact, really no hope of having any kids, but he says, listen, I'm going to make from you a nation. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a people. And then he calls him, hey, leave where you are, leave, leave this, this land of Ur, I'm going to call you to another place, because I'm not just going to give you a people, I'm going to give you a land. And so we see there's this promised land, a promised people. And so in Exodus, this promised people enslaved in Egypt, no land, right? Just a people, but God rescues them from Egypt. He delivers them. And then what does he do? He leads them to this place, this land flowing with milk and honey, what he calls the promised land. And God gives them victory. God, God make them, made them into a nation. He gave them a law. Here's how you're to live in, in this covenant relationship with me. Here's how you're to, to live with those around you to be what? To be, to be peacemakers. And they grew. They, they became the dominant culture of that time. And, and the purpose for that, why, why did he give them this promised land? The purpose, he, he gave it right away to Abraham. He said, hey, I'm going to bless you so you'll be a blessing to the world. And, and here they are now, God's people, Israel, thriving, living in this covenant relationship with God. But, but then we see in the Old Testament, a shift takes place. Israel forgets God. They begin to worship idols. They they. They give up on God's law. They, they forget his covenant. And, and, and so what happens? For generations, they're taken into exile. So that's what we pick up with Daniel right here, right? So, so here, the temple's been destroyed. The people are captured. They're no longer the dominant culture anymore. They're now what we call strangers in a strange land. They're living in exile. Now, why would I lay all that out for us? Why why would I give all that lead up to where we are right now? Because listen, the book of Daniel will not have this formative power in your life until we come to grips with the reality that, that we now, listen, we are in exile. 
This is not the promised land. All right, you gotta understand those two ways of living. We gotta recognize, no, we're not in the promised land. We're in exile. And it's not always easy for us to grasp that. I think we can be lulled into thinking that this is supposed to be the promised land. And so what do we do? We try to create our own little promised lands here, right? I'll spend my money. I'll protect my family and my life. I'll try so hard to make this my home. I'll grab everything I can for for comfort, for safety. I'll avoid anything that's outside of my comfort or outside of my safety. Why? Because if I step out there, it's going to ruin my little promised land here. And listen, Muskoka can feel a lot like this really is the promised land some days, right? People are buying homes right now for stupid amounts of money. Why? Because they believe that a summer day spent on the lake, I mean, it feels like this is the promised land, right? But listen, as a Christian, listen, if you're a Christ follower, this is not the promised land. That's still to come. And there are times this might feel like home, but we got to recognize, no, 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 we're in exile. And, and some of you, listen, I get this. Some of you listen to this and go, man, I get it. I, I feel the exile. I don't feel like this is the promised land. But for, for, for others, you can, you can be trying so hard to make the comfort here and now feel like this is it. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in exile. So let me say it this way. Don't get too comfortable. This is not our home. You're from another country, a better country, and you're called to bring the the peace and the hope of that better country to bear on this one. So there's a shift for Daniel and the people of God in Daniel's time, and and it's a shift that we're still living in, right? Daniel in Babylon, in exile, he's not home, and we're going to see right away, though, from from Daniel chapter 6, life isn't too bad for Daniel right now. Look at verse 1. It pleased Darius, Here, here's a new king that's come in, right? So, so the Medes and the Persians have taken over from Babylon, a new king, this guy Darius. And it says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, basically just government officials, right? To be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three presidents of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account. So Daniel's doing pretty good. The entire land, let me understand, this is the the superpower of the day. So this is the dominant culture, the dominant country. They're they're ruling, and they got all these rulers that he's dividing up and saying, hey, as we divide them up, i got three people that are in charge of everything, and Daniel's one of them. So so that the king might might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Life is good for Daniel, right? But was Daniel home? Was this his promised land? Now, now here's the thing. If, if you've been going to church for a, a long time, you know the story. You're like, I already know how Daniel 6 goes. Life is not going to be good for Daniel. There's a lion's den coming in the very near future for this guy. Listen, exile people, if, you're an, if you truly understand that this is an exile that we live in, that, that you don't live in the promised land, that, that you recognize I'm not promised an easy, perfect life here on earth. Why? Because I'm living for a different land. I, I have a different hope that goes beyond whatever comforts can be brought here and now. So as exiled people, we, we live for something more, something different. We, we, we know that we're living in a world that has huge need, and we're called by God to live a life that's different. So we have different hopes. We have different desires. 
which gives us a different capacity to love, to sacrifice, to, to step out in faith, knowing that, you know what, this isn't all there is. There's something so much better, so, so I can risk this. I, I can love that person who's so hard to love. I, I can bring hope and peace into this chaos. In fact, I was thinking about a guy, his name was John Payton. He was a missionary in the 1800s. And, and he was a, a very successful pastor in Scotland, had a very good life, a growing church, a nice home. Life was good for him. But he heard about these islands in the, the Pacific where, where people had never heard the gospel. Now, 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 the problem with this is, so here he is in this comfortable place, and this place he hears, they, they, they have never heard about Jesus. I need to go. But the problem is that these people were known to be cannibals. And any foreigner who landed on their islands was, was pretty much eaten. And that's kind of tough to plant a church there, right? All right, it's Palm Sunday. Let's get some flyers and invite everybody out for Easter. There'll be a potluck after, like, yeah, you're on the menu, right? So tough, tough place to plant a church. And, and everyone told him, they said, listen, John, John, you're nuts to leave where you are. You've got a good thing here. You, you're still doing God's work. Don't leave the comforts that you have in Scotland. And he said this. He said, the opposition was so strong from nearly all that I was driven to really seek God in prayer. But again, every doubt would vanish when I clearly saw that these poor men and women created in God's image were perishing without even the chance of knowing all God's love and mercy to me. He knew this wasn't the promised land. He saw the pain and the hurt and the brokenness and the sin of exile life. He saw the, the gap between the kingdom of God, what we're promised in the promised land. He saw the gap of that kingdom life and what life was like in the exile. And what he said, he said, I've been called by God to fill that gap. Where there's a difference between what the kingdom of God, the hope, the peace, the joy the, the, that I have here and what's going on here, there's a gap there. He goes, I want to bridge that gap. And so let me ask you this, as you're living in exile, where do you feel the gap? Where do you feel the, the exile life? Where, where do you feel that gap between what you know that Christ has brought and what life is like? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you feel that gap. Maybe it's with your kids. And we're not called to hide out and just give up and say, you know what, I don't care. No, no, no. And, and I'll just be honest with me. I'm so tempted when I see that gap and I, I feel the struggle and the tension. I'm so tempted to ignore or to hide. Just to avoid it. I mean, where do you see the gap? Do you see a gap in your workplace? Do you see a gap at school? Do you see it in our community? Do you? Do you see it in our world where the, the brokenness and the pain and the hurt and the sin? And we see these impossible situations in our community, in our nation, and our heart can ache for that. But, but listen, as exile people, here's what we don't think. When we see all the brokenness, all the sin, all the stuff, and you can go, man, look at all that's going on, and just go online for a little bit. And you see people are, are losing their minds with, with where our nation is going, and, and, and it's not going in a good place, probably. Right? And you, it, listen, if you're an exile person, here's what you're not thinking. You're not thinking, you know what? The whole place is going to hell in a handbasket. I'm done. I'm going to throw down a little bit of judgment, and then I'm going to just hide out. Like, I, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I, no, no, if we're truly those living in exile, we don't throw in the towel. 
we don't just jump on board either, go, you know what, forget it. The fight's too hard, man. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna join it. I'm just gonna live like everybody else lives. No, no, no. At that moment, when you see the heartache, when you see the sinfulness, when you experience even the brokenness of, of what living in exile is, you feel it up close. Maybe your own trials and your own struggles. You'd say, this is the very place I've been called to. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to show up in this mess with, with love in unexpected ways. I'm supposed to show up with a, with a wisdom that I, that I gained from, from God's word. I'm supposed to show up with a, a hope that's not of this world. And in that context, as we move out in exile, as we move out to live our life with the lions in a hostile environment, we can rest in God's care. Because we have a hope that can't be removed. We, we have a, a peace that can't be taken away. We have a, a joy in us of a promised land that cannot be stolen from us. And so out of that place of trust, we're called to bring the hope of the promised land to the exile. I would say this way, our second point, we, we live in exile with a message of peace. Yes, we're in exile. Let's not forget that. Don't be confused so that we are in exile, but we live in exile with this message of peace. Now, now how do we do that? How do, I, how do I live out Jeremiah's call to bring peace? How, how do I live out what Jesus calls us to, to be salt and light in a world that we're in? How do I do it? I mean, Jesus says, be, be salt. That we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Now, you understand when Jesus says be salt of the earth, that, that salt in his time was not used just to flavor things, right? We put salt on potatoes because it's so good. French fries, mm, that wasn't what they did, right? They actually used salt for what? It was to preserve. You, you added salt to things that were going to go bad so they wouldn't go bad. So you put salt on your meat because meat will rot, so we got to put salt on that. So, so Jesus is saying this, he's saying, go into the chaos, go into the exile, go into the places that are rotting and bring peace to that. And our world, it's, it's falling apart because of sin. We, we can see that. And Jesus is saying, go into the sinfulness, go into those places with a message of peace and hope that's found in me. So here's the thing, we see Daniel's life. Daniel has not hidden out. In fact, here he is, super high up in government, in, in, in Babylon. He's, he's served through a number of kings. Now he's under a new king, a new nation, because Babylon's been defeated by the Medes and Persians. There's this guy, Darius, and, and you see Daniel's life. Look at verse 4. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. So you've got these, these sinful dudes. You've got these lions, all right, who are, who are living in the same place. There's the other people who would rather have Daniel's position, so, so they're looking, I want to make a name for myself, and the way to do that, i got to tear down Daniel because he's above me. And culture has not changed much, has it? Right? Is that not the culture we live in? People wanting to make a name for themselves and you'll do whatever you can and often, often it means tearing somebody else down. So, you, so you're striving for success, yet here's Daniel, so different. Daniel's not striving for anything. Daniel knows who he, he, knows who he is. He, he's not trying to make his name great. Because listen, if you're a child of God, if you've surrendered your life to Christ, you have a name already. And God's given you a name. God knows who you are. And so you live differently. And you have these guys trying to take out Daniel, but they can't take him out. You notice that? 
Here's what I'm looking at. I'm going, okay, he's in this, this corrupt government and he's full of integrity. Why, why? Because Daniel was salt. He's bringing peace to the chaos. It says here, there was no fault found in him, full of integrity. He worked hard. He was disciplined at his job. He, he was honest in everything that he did. And it says in verse three, he, he literally, he had a spirit of excellence about him. Like everybody met Daniel and we would be like, man, that, that guy's an awesome guy. He's just a good, I, I want him around. Can you imagine this place is taken over, a new king steps in and they sees Daniel like, man, I want that guy to still be in charge. So let me encourage you and challenge you with something from this. Who is this guy, Daniel? Daniel had everything you could ever want, everything he ever needed to be a prophet. He, he was as gifted and as talented, both spiritually and just, just personality, who he was. He, he was every bit as gifted as Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah. But where is he? He's working in what we call a secular job. And I think in church, we've kind of mixed up this idea that if, if, if you really love Jesus and if you, you know his word really well, you're automatically, well, let's, let's make you a preacher or a missionary. You should be in full-time ministry, like, like leave your job and do this. And, and listen, I hope we raise up pastors and missionaries here in our church. I do that, but I have an even broader hope than that for us, that we'd raise up a church filled with people who love Jesus and know his word. I mean, th that's the call on all of us. And so if, if you have a gift in sales or, or you have a gift in business or in education or in politics or in medicine or in the trades, listen, listen, you dig into the word, you follow Christ filled with the spirit and pursue Jesus where he's gifted you. So, so here's what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying this. I'm saying all of us should be seeking to know and follow Jesus. I mean, if, if you're a Christian, you've been in church for years and you're still a baby in terms of, of, of what you read and, how, and what you understand about God and how you live your life, I would say this, with all love, grow up. Get into the Word. Get to know Christ. L learn good doctrine. Follow Jesus. Know Jesus. Be devoted to Him. Live out the gospel. It's not the job of pastors and missionaries. It's every one of us because we love and, and, and just want to be, to treasure Christ above all else. That's all of us. But here's the second part of that, though. The second thing I want to encourage you in is this. Be salt wherever God has you. A plumber sold out for Jesus is more effective than a pastor or a missionary just mailing it in, right? Your work takes you to where salt is needed. And so what do we do? You, you go into schools that are tough. You go into neighborhoods that are broken. You, you go into homes that are hurting. And I would say this, Daniel should be everyone's hero who's not in some sort of full-time paid ministry, right? Daniel's your guy. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're like, man, Daniel, he's my guy. As I pour out my life to raise these kids, to, to make this, like if, if, if you're a business person, Daniel's your guy. If you're a trades person, a salesperson, a teacher, a politician, if you're, if you're a, a police officer, a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, God has placed you where he has for a purpose to pour your life out as salt and light where you are. And I, I'd say this as a pastor, thank you. Thank you for being where you are. And I hate that in some churches there's like this tear. Oh, you're a pastor, then you're much more spiritual. No. 
be salt. Bring, bring the peace of the gospel there. Daniel, not a prophet. Daniel, not a preacher. Daniel changed his world. Don't hide out. Don't avoid. Don't put yourself in a lower place and, well, I, I'm just swinging a hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God put you there for a purpose, to know him more and to be salt where you are. As you do that, as you engage in that way, remember, still in exile, right? We're, we're not assimilating. We're not, not just, I'll just be like the world. No, 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 no. We're salt. We're not the meat, right? We're, we're supposed to bring change. And our, our life then, living where we are, the job you have, the place you are, the school you attend, you're going to look different as you bring peace to that place that's not peaceful. And so if that's the case, I just want to let you know this, and maybe you've already experienced this, that's not going to be easy. I mean, Daniel was hated. These guys here did not love Daniel. His, his integrity, his honesty, his way of doing life is a threat to them. But here's the cool part. His integrity also made it so they had nothing to say against him. Like, we're going to take this guy out. Let, let's dig for some dirt. Let, let's look at some old tweets he may have thrown out there. Let's, let's look at his search history on his computer. Let, let's talk to some old friends of his. Look at verse 5. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel. There's nothing in his life. Like, man, this guy is this guy's perfect. This guy just lives with integrity. He says, unless, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So I would say it this way. Live in a way that makes it hard for people to discredit Christ. Live in a way where your, your, your way of life, now listen, you're going to stand out in ways that are going to be strange in our culture. Why? Because the, here's what they're doing. They're going to find a way, hey, let's look at how he lives out his faith. The way you live out your faith, you're going to be strange. You're going to be odd. You're going to be, listen, listen, in our culture today, you're going to be offensive just because you follow God's word. So let's live with total integrity and grace as we do it. So all they can say is, yeah, the way they live their faith bugs me. Listen, if we, if we just live like the world, if, if, we're, if we're just seeking power and fame and wealth, if, if we're just wrapped up into everything our world seeks after for, for what they think, because they, they believe that this is the promised land for, for those who are not followers of Christ, this is it. So what do you do? You go after more sex, more money, more power, more fame. And when we go after the same things, listen, we lose our effectiveness of being salt. We're no longer salt. We've joined our lives to the thing that's rotten. So as strangers in a strange land, we will be strange. And I love reading the history of the early church in, in Rome. They turned Rome upside down. Why? Because they were strange. And I, I don't mean religious strange. I mean gospel strange. They lived and loved so different than the culture they were in. The, the way the church did money was so different. They were unbelievably generous while Rome was greedy. They were strange. The, the way the church dealt with sex. Rome was stingy with money, but very generous with sex. <laughs> and the church flipped that around, and they're like, no, 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 sex is a precious gift. We want to keep it for this one person in marriage. So guess what? They were weird. And they were hated for it. But they loved and they cared for the hurting and the broken. They were salt. And so to be salt, we do need to be different. So let me ask you this. What do you do that's different in your life? What do you believe? How do you act in a way that you stand out in our world? I mean, are you honest in a world that's not? 
Do you pursue the, the hurting and the outcast at the cost of your popularity? Do you have a, such a light grip on all your stuff that, that you've been blessed with because of the work you have and, and you have such a light grip on all of that that people find your generosity and your lifestyle kind of weird? Do, do you live so above your trials with this joy that people find you odd? Do you forgive people so freely when, when the world is trying to convince you to hold a grudge, to, to be bitter, to seek revenge, and you just forgive them? Like, man, that's just weird. It's strange. Do you have a purity about you that seems so out of step with our culture? Are, are people asking, why do you have so much joy? Are people asking, man, why do you care so deeply? Why do you seem so humble? They find it weird how you spend your time, your energy, your money. Are people wondering why you talk about this Jesus so much? People see you as a bit strange. You don't care about the same things they care about. You don't put your hope in the same things that the whole world puts their hope in. And, and here's the hard part about this. To live that way, to live a kingdom life is not easy in an exiled world. And we're gonna see here in this chapter six, Daniel is about to not be living the dream, all right? Look at verse six, it goes on. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. I love that it says everyone. Now, was it everyone? I, I doubt it. But does it feel that way sometimes, man? Our whole culture's going in a direction, and they're saying, we all believe this. This is what we all think, and we all believe. Culture's fully on board with this. So if you're not, man, you're on the wrong side of history. You're outside of culture. You're strange and weird. And Daniel's about to come in conflict with his culture. Look at verse 9. Sorry, verse 8. They said, now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he'd done previously. He's, why is he open his windows to Jerusalem? That's an exiled person longing for the promised land. Right? So it's this picture, it's this idea that it's not like, oh, we all have, okay, where's Jerusalem? That's how I got to pray? Is it this way? I don't, I don't even know where Bracebridge is. Where, like, right? No, no, no. It's this idea of you're going, I, my heart is inclined to the kingdom. And so my life is going to be about that. And Daniel's like, I'm not stopping that. I love it. Says, As he previously had done. His whole, it's not like he all of a sudden went, what? They're saying, I can't do that? Then I'm going to stand up and be bold. He, this, this is what he does. It's his life. It's how he lived. Verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, yeah, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who was one of the exiles from Judah, 
pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Listen, we live in exile, and we're bringing peace to the exile, but here's our last point really quickly. We live in exile with an eternal hope. Here's Daniel. He's, he's fully engaged in the culture, except where the culture of exile was in conflict with the culture of the kingdom of God. Daniel's hope, not in the here and now, so, so Daniel's not going to stop praying. He's not going to stop. Look, look at verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. You, you see the effectiveness of the saltiness of Daniel here. He's against culture right now. He's actually against what the king said need to happen, but he lived without the... the gospel kingdom values so much so that the king's like, man, I, I just wish this wasn't so. I pray that as a church, listen, that we would live in such a way, that we would speak in such a way, that we would act in such a way that when culture clashes with what, the God, with what God's word says, that, that people would say, man, I don't agree with what you're doing, but man, I love you guys. You, your life is impeccable. What happens? Verse 15, that these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, know, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance of the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into a den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Now listen, let's not jump to the end of the story right yet, okay? F feel the tension in the story. I get it. We all know the story of Daniel. We know what's going to happen, all right? But, but get what's going on here. Here's Daniel living for God alone, living a righteous life, so much so that they couldn't bring a charge against him, and yet he still ends up in a lion's den. And then again, yeah, we can jump to the end. We go, yeah, but wait a minute. God closed the mouths of the lions, Daniel's spared. The king's blown away. They all get to see God's glory on display. And we can read this chapter and we can, we, can, we can make this account here in God's word say something it's not saying. Say that, oh, look, look what it says. God shut the mouth of lions. So, so be good like Daniel and God will take care of you. It's not the point of this. I mean, think about down through history, how many others were thrown to the lions and tore to pieces. If, if the writer of, of this account here ha, has this in God's word so that you would know, listen, if you're innocent, if you're good, if you trust God, nothing bad's ever gonna happen to you. If that's the point of this, man, no wonder so few people wanna follow Jesus. No wonder so many Christians would be struggling in exile. God failed me. Listen, that's not what Christianity teaches. I mean, if we make that the point of the story, we'll find ourselves in a lion's den that's ripping us apart and we'll be so disillusioned. But that's not the story of Christianity. It's, it's not the message or the life of Jesus Christ. If we're gonna go out into our world with a message of peace and of hope, we have to understand where our hope is, how sure our hope is. Right? This is the Sunday we celebrate as Palm Sunday where Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he's just, hallelujah, he's here, he's the king. He's praised, people shouting, but we know that this Sunday is leading to Good Friday. And Jesus, the perfect one, more righteous than Daniel, trusted his father way more than Daniel did. 
And what happened to Christ? He was crushed. He was tore apart. He was thrown into a den with a stone rolled over top and a king's signet sealing that tomb. Our hope is not that this is the promised land. Our our hope is that Jesus has come. And I love how it says in Psalm 22 that the the roaring lions opened their mouths against him. In the Old Testament, this idea of a roaring lion, this is what it means in the Old Testament. It represents the justice of God, the lion of Judah. The justice of God is coming. So Jesus, the, the better Daniel, went into a real lion's den, went before real lions. He went before the justice of God and got the punishment that all of us deserve because of our sin. And he was tore apart by the justice of God. So listen, here's the point of this. The real Daniel, the ultimate Daniel, went before the ultimate lions so that we now can live with the smaller lions and we can live with a confidence and a hope and a trust. What do I mean? I mean this. We, we can deal with disease and sickness because we know that the ultimate disease, sin and death, has been dealt with by Christ in the ultimate lion's den. We can deal with debt and financial struggles. Why? Because we know that my ultimate debt has been paid. We, we can deal with loneliness because we know that Jesus went into the ultimate den and he was, he was cast away by God. And why? Why? So that we never would be, so that we never would be thrown away from God. As the worst team comes up, I'm gonna ask you this. Do, do you believe that Jesus went into the den for you? I mean, do you believe that he took the punishment so that you could be declared innocent. So that, that you now have a promised land, a, a new home, a new hope. And so, so now when the lions show up in your life, you can say, roar all you want. Because the only lions that could actually kill me, Jesus already took care of them. And listen, we're never gonna be able to live with the lions until we see that the ultimate lions are taken care of by Jesus. I mean, if you remember that, if, if you live under that, listen, you can be salt and light. You can really actually dare to be a Daniel. Do you know what his name means? Daniel's name means God is my judge. That's our hope. God is my judge. He, he's judged my sin on the cross. He now declares me righteous and accepted, so I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Because if your hope is built on on Jesus Christ alone and and you're in awe of what he's done for you on the cross, then you'll walk into every other lion's den. You'll say, listen, Daniel, God's my judge. This is a small lion because of what Christ has done for you. So church, let's, let's, let's fear God and nothing else. Let's be a salt and a light in a world that so desperately needs hope that we can go out of here saying, God's my judge. This is not my home. So I'm not gonna hold on to anything here because I'm living for another home because I have a greater hope, amen? Would you stand with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can stand with a confidence and a hope. A hope because of you, Lord Jesus, that you took our sin, you took the wrath of God on yourself so that we didn't have to. And so now our hope is built on that. 
with our hope built on that, knowing that you took the only lion that could ever destroy us. That we walk in hope. So God, remind us again today. Remind us where our hope is. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.
pray for us before we go out of here. Lord God, I pray that with our hope firmly rooted there, Lord God, as you call us into a life with lions, Lord, that when a, a lion roars, God, that our hope and our trust, knowing that the, the lion of your justice has been cared for, that we're destined for a promised land, that this is not my home. I'm not going to put my hope in this home. I'm going to live a different way with a hope for something greater. And so I can face these little lions because you've called me into it. Lord God, send us out of here as a church that recognizes that, God, you are in control. You are our judge and that you have not called us to hide out here, but you've said, follow me. And so we want to follow you into these hard places. God, God, where there are gaps in what you call us to as the kingdom and what the exiled life looks like, God, may we fill those gaps. Lord, where it's sin in our hearts that we bring that in repentance to you, where it's brokenness and sin in our world, that you would send us out into that to bring a hope and a peace. God, that we truly would be salt and light. So, Father, may we live differently. May we live weirdly. May we be strangers in a strange land, all for your glory, all because we so desperately care for those who are lost. So, Lord, send us out of here with that mission. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys so much. Hope to see you on Good Friday or Easter. Uh, have a good rest of your Sunday. God bless.